0: Here now, a reading from 1 John chapter 3. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth. And action. And by this we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before Him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God and we receive from Him whatever we ask because we obey His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is His commandment that we should believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit that he has given us. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you.
1: Andrew, and thank you to the Joy Bells and the others who have provided music for us today. Two weeks ago, today I began an Easter season, Easter tide sermon series based on a series from 1 John. These are the lectionary epistle readings for this season of the year and decided to go with those this year. Move through 1 John during these several weeks. We won't cover every verse in there but but much of it first john now not big john not the gospel of john and not the other two little john second john and third john we may look at those later they are they are different in their own ways but specifically first john a document that was originally written we believe to a church divided that contains some of the most beautiful language in scripture or anywhere else concerning the love of god Last week we considered the significance of being a child of God with all the attached rights and responsibilities that go along with that, and there are many. This week we begin with 1 John 3.16. Most Christian folk and some who are not Christian, who have never been a part of the faith, know John 3.16 by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. 1 John 3.16 is similar. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. And then our writer raises a question and makes a statement, a question that we would often rather not answer, a statement that we would just assume not hear. How does God's love Abide in anyone who has this world's goods and sees a brother or a sister in need and yet refuses to help. Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and in action. But I work hard for the money. And then I'm supposed to give it away to folk who strike me as being lazy or not too smart or indifferent or dependent? That'll be a cold day in August in South Georgia. (laughs) Thanks to Mr. Ebenezer Scrooge for that email. Could it be that our hearts become so hardened, so callous that the love of God sometimes cannot break through? Is this what the writer means when he says there's no room for the love of God in a heart that ignores the needs of others? Into the human heart, a couple of thoughts here from, uh, from that scholar of old that many of you know, William Barclay. Into the human heart, there are bound to come, become or bound to come doubts. Any person with a sensitive mind and heart will sometimes wonder if he or she is a Christian at all. John's test is quite simple and far-reaching. It is love. If we feel love for others welling up in our hearts, we can be sure that the heart of Christ is in us. John would have said that a so-called heretic, whose heart was overflowing with Life and love and beautiful gifts of service was far nearer to Jesus the Christ than someone who was impeccably orthodox, yet cold and remote from the needs of others. John goes on to say something, which as far as the original language goes, can mean a couple of things here, that feeling of love can reassure us in the presence of God. Our hearts may condemn us, but God is greater than our hearts. So what does that last phrase mean? It could mean, since our hearts condemn us and God is infinitely greater than our hearts, God must condemn us even more. And there's little joy, there's little peace, there's little comfort in that. That's a little depressing. It's a dreadful thought. So maybe it means this, our hearts condemn us. That is inevitable, but God is greater than our hearts, and God knows all things. God not only knows our sins, but he knows our love and our longings and those noble feelings that work themselves out in penitence and in service and in love for other people. We need not walk around with our heads bowed as if we've been condemned already and there's no hope. Thomas Kempis said, mortals see the deed, but God knows the intention. Other folks can judge us only by our actions, but God can judge us by the leanings and the longings which never become deeds and the dreams which never come true. There's an old French proverb that says, to know all is to forgive all. God judges us by the deep emotions of our hearts. And if in our heart there's love, then however feeble and imperfect that love may be we can have the confidence that we can enter into God's presence. The perfect knowledge which belongs to God alone is not something that should terrify us, but something that should give us great and lasting hope. Now, the verse 23 stuck out or, or stood out for me this week. This is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. That use of the name there is peculiar in many ways to the biblical tradition, not just knowing somebody's name. That's important to be able to call somebody by name. And for someone to know our name is important. I would never denigrate that. But to say somebody's name is to say, we know the character of that person in scripture, the whole nature of that person. The psalmist writes, our help is in the name of the Lord. And that means that our help is in the love and the mercy and the grace and the power of our God. Not just being able to write the name or call the name, but to know who that God is and the depth of our God's love. To believe in the name of Jesus Christ means to believe in the character of Jesus And so when we pray as Christian people, and we often do in the name of Jesus, it's not like we can just insert the name magically and it makes the prayer come true and makes the prayer effective. But to pray in the name of Jesus is to pray in the spirit of Jesus, with the love and the concern of Jesus. It's more than just using a name as if there's magic in using the name without getting to the heart of the matter. It means to believe that he's the son of God, that he can perfectly bring together and reveal God to humanity. He's the savior of our hearts. To believe in the name of Jesus is to accept him for who he is and what he really is, not just to know his name. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and we must love one another just as he has commanded us. John 13:34 and this from from the gospel of John, I give you a new commandment that you should love one another, just as I have loved you, that you also should love one another, a new commandment, a new mandate, spoken in the upper room the night before Jesus died and so we get our phrase Monday Thursday or Mandate Thursday or Command Thursday from that. The mandate that we are to love one another, a command. Is that important? We love one another with the same selfless, sacrificial, forgiving love with which Jesus has loved us. The Christian life consists in right beliefs and right conduct, of course, And there are times that the circumstances of life will leave us with some tough questions in our inbox. And we pray and we work our way through that. But we don't have to wait till we've got it all figured out and all our theological ducks in a row before we love one another and care for one another. And as we do that, then these other things will become clear. And maybe some of these other things will not seem quite so important if we're doing the loving thing. Loving kindness can clear up a lot of belief confusion. And I think we need to hear that right now. So many of us. I need to hear that. You'll be amazed at how loving kindness clears that up. And how loving kindness toward each other in the fellowship and toward those around us will take the hard edge off of some of life's questions and remind us of what's really important. And we don't ever need to forget that in good times or bad, happy or sad, the Holy Spirit closer than our own breath to help us do this. Believe in the name of Jesus Christ. Love one another. And so many of these other things that divide us and trouble us will fall into place. Now, having said all of that, let me spend a moment or two with what I believe is the key word in today's passage. And the word first appears in verse 17, and it reappears three times in verse 24. And the word is abide. Just a very simple word like abide. Abide means to continue to stay in a place, to stay in one's abode or to stay where one dwells, to continue in some condition or state, to remain faithful and unchanging, to look for, to wait, to abide the event, to wait expectantly or defiantly to endure, to put up with. Sometimes we say, I don't agree with all the rules, but I'm going to abide by those rules as long as I'm part of that organization. Or sometimes we use the word abide like this when we look in on someone else's home life or somebody else's marriage and we really don't know. But we say things like, I don't know how he or she can abide such behavior now according to Marion blickenstaff to abide is to stay to tarry to dwell to turn a place from a journey to remain in place to seek shelter metaphorically abide refers to god's care the psalmist said lord let me abide in your tent forever abiding in god's tent requires that one honor the lord and do the right thing let me share with you just these few verses from Psalm 15 where the psalmist is talking about abiding. And in fact, the title to this psalm is Who Shall Abide in God's Sanctuary? O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? Those who walk blamelessly and do what is right and speak the truth from their heart, who do not slander with their tongue and do no evil to their friends, nor take up a reproach against their neighbors. In whose eyes the wicked are despised, but who honor those who fear the Lord, who stand by their own oath, even to their hurt, who do not lend money at interest, and do not take a bribe against the innocent. Those who do these things shall never be moved to abide. In God's love, to abide in God's tent. Abiding, and that's such an important concept when we go back and read the Gospel of John, when we read through Big John as well. John 15, 1 through 11. And I won't take time to read it this morning, but I want to encourage you to read that. That's the passage about the vine and the branches. Just go through there and mark sometimes, John 15, 1 through 11, how often that word abide is used just in that passage over and over again. It's, it's a significant concept in John and in 1 John. The disciples who abide in Jesus abide in God's love. Jesus is the vine, and the disciples abide in the vine, just like the branches abide in the vine, in the larger vine, and bear fruit. And bearing fruit is an element of responsibility. In order to bear fruit, the disciples must abide, follow God's commandments, especially that latest one, to love one another as God has loved us, to abide in the vine in Jesus and to draw life from that and hope and joy and not try to conjure it up on our own because that never works another writer said the controlling image in john 15 is the vineyard and especially the vine the controlling verb in this passage is abide already in this gospel a rich and Full word, he said, to describe a trusting and a loving and a full relationship in Jesus Christ, in God through Jesus Christ. But the word reaches its peak in frequency and intensity of meaning. John fifteen one through 11. Please take time sometime today to read that. The life-giving, fruit-bearing relationship of the vine and the branches. This biblical scholar said that needs no explanation. <laughs> it makes sense, doesn't it? You break the branch off from the vine, and there's no more joy. There's no more strength. It shrivels and it dies. We abide in the vine. We are the branches. The relationship between Jesus and his followers and this analogy is not a future one. It's not that someday we're going to die and cross the river and then we'll abide in Jesus, but it's a right now kind of thing, that living and loving relationship that changes us and all those around us and makes that much difference. And the single point of this whole conversation about vine and branches and abiding is fruit bearing. Does our life of faith make a difference? And then there's always the how question. How do we abide in Him? By reading Scripture, by gathering in groups, Sunday school classes, and small groups, and with friends and family and other believers, and studying the Scriptures and listening, by worshiping together. And if you can't be here with us, by following us and watching and listening in other ways. And above all else, I believe, through prayer. Prayer is speaking, prayer is listening, prayer is abiding. In the presence of God, in that trusting, in that loving relationship. And even in those times when God seems so silent and so distant and so far off, we pray our way through that, believing that He hears and that He cares. Prayer's not the least we can do. I, I hear folks say that sometimes. They'll say, will you pray for me? And, and we sometimes respond by saying, well, certainly I'll pray for you. That's the least I can do. But no, no, it's not the least we can do. That's the most we can do for one another, the most important thing. Prayer, not the least, but the most. And if we're going to love him and follow him and serve him and love folks around us, even when they act in unlovable ways, then we must pray. Not pray? Come on. We simply cannot abide that. Amen.